You can already see that this is going to be a little different than normal. In the early service we did this and everybody felt a little confused. Offerings already been given. The rest of this service is going to be a focus on the Lord's Supper and allow you to have a prolonged observation. Um, and hope that you find the value of that. This is a unique part of our worship service that even people of other denominations uh, and around us, other religious groups, even within the Christian world, will come in and find it a little bit odd that every single week we participate in this. Along with a lack of instruments, it just kind of makes people look a little funny at us. But then when you go outside the, the Christian experience, um, you've, you've got different world religions that have similar elements to their worship like we do. Uh, most of them will have some kind of sermon. Most of them will have some kind of singing or chanting. And there'll be prayer. And there'll be some kind of contribution you can make. But very few of them have that one feature that we have every single week. And you're going to get used to it. And a lot of times we get used to it and forget how incredibly important and special it is. And this morning we want to take some time to look at that distinct part of our worship service and prolong it. You've got work to do in the next few moments. I'm going to describe for you what your job description is, what your task is to be doing, because today, as every Sunday, we are not an audience. We are participants. God is the audience receiving our actions, and so that's what worship is. And today you're going to have a little extra time for this. There's a few questions people always ask about this. Is the Lord's Supper the most important part of our worship service? And I cringe a little bit about that because I'm a preacher and I've got to defend the sermon. Uh, but even more than that, I don't know that there's ever any value of one element higher than another talked about in Scripture at all. But we have Acts 20, verse 7, which says, On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. The idea is what they gathered for was centrally this, the Lord's Supper. Now, everything else that goes around in worship is important and significant. God calls for it, but there was something unique about this. And here's what I think is most important is because no matter what the sermon's about, and we, if we preach the whole counsel of God, the sermon can be about any number of things. There's a lot of things we need to be talking about, about how the Word of God applies to our lives and needs to be seen visibly in our lives. There's lots of topics that the sermon should cover. There's lots of topics that our songs will hit upon as we sing them. There are a lot of things we'll talk to God about, but listen, every single week when we come here, there's only one thing that this Lord's Supper observation has us focusing on. Every single week when you come in here and we gather around the Lord's table, we're going to be thinking about Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection, his ascension and his coming back. No matter what's talked about in the devotional before the Lord's Supper, it's always got to focus on this and what Paul calls the matters of first importance for every believer, that Jesus, according to the scriptures, died was buried and according to the scriptures rose from the dead. And so we might not talk about the gospel directly in any other part of worship, but you're not gonna come to a, a service here and walk away without being told and reminded what the gospel really is because we're gonna gather around a table and those of us who are beneficiaries who've already been saved and atoned for by the blood of Jesus, we're gonna remember in this meal what saved us. Even our actions this last week didn't save us. 
What saves us is a sacrifice made by Jesus several hundred years ago. And we're going to be saying to the person who's not a believer, we're going to be saying to you, it's not our goodness that makes us better than everybody else while we're here. We're, the reason we're here is because the only way that we have any chance and the only way anybody in the world has any chance is this. A man came from heaven who's the son of God who died for us and provided this atoning sacrifice. That's why it's central. You're not going to come to this church and experience a worship service without being powerfully reminded of the gospel message in this meal. And then people will say, do you have to do it every week? Well, Acts 20 verse 7 and the church history says they did. Our brothers and sisters in the earliest time periods, they did every single week. Can you think of a week that goes by that you don't need to be reminded of and even rehearse the gospel message in its entirety? Do you know the fickleness of humanity? Do you know our very failing memories? We need a weekly reminder. Why would a Lord's Day go by without a Lord's Supper observation? My question is going back, why would you want to meet and not observe? And then there's the one that drives me crazy from people who think they're intellectually intelligent. They're going to say, you know the early church had a whole meal around this thing, and yet you just do a cracker. How can you call a supper the smallest piece of cracker you can break off and a little drink of juice? That's what they'll say, which you look at Gary, Gary James right now, he can't stand the fact of calling it a cracker or juice, and he's right. This is unleavened bread, and this is fruit of the vine, and it represents the most important thing that ever happened in your history. Uh, it was before you were born, but if it wasn't for that, you'd stand no chance. And I can tell you that when Jesus observed this, it was in a Passover meal. But when it was described in the New Testament, the rest of the meal is just ignored, and it zeroes in only on that part that talks about Jesus and his covenant action on our behalf. And even when the Corinthians took it at a larger meal and it got abused and Paul said, you guys need to take charge of this thing. Even when he talks about it, he zeroes in on the part that is our redemption. We could make this a wider meal. There's no doubt about it. But even if we did, we'd have to zero in on that part of it, which has to do with the death of Jesus symbolized by breaking this, this, this unleavened bread off and consuming this fruit of the vine that's consuming his blood and realizing it's only on that basis we have a chance. There's an abundance of grace available at this table. It's not about the food. It's about the sacrifice and the joy and the grace that God makes available to us in our communing with him. That's what makes this a supper. But what's most helpful about remembering this is what we're supposed to be doing as this goes around. Let me describe it for you, and I'm going to tell you how the rest of this service goes. You're going to see a slide come up that will cause you to remember what task you've got. There'll be a reading done by one of the elders, or Jeff Madden, and it's going to be, the reading's going to be on the screen. There's going to be a song sung in association with that task that you've got to do. No extra words, just words from God or words that we sing. No extra words are going to go on, and you're going to have time to do these tasks. Number one, you're going to look back on the most important event of your history. In the looking back time, you need to look at that cross. Find yourself a good spot at the foot of that cross and you look up and you see what's there. I want you to take note of the nails, take note of this crown. I want you to see what happens to the side of this man. 
And remember that not only did that actually happen in history, it's a historical moment. It did take place, church. It did take place. And not only that, but we know why it took place. Your spot was what he took. You should have had this, but you don't. He took it for you. So look back at that. Take some time to look at what happened there. Second, you look inside yourself. This is a time to look at your own life and evaluate how your life is being lived in light of that sacrifice. Here's how Paul did it in Philippians chapter 2, right before he gets this wonderful description of what Jesus did. He said, you guys need to have the same mind toward one another. That same attitude of Jesus that wouldn't hold on to what was rightfully his, but he was willing to give it up to meet the needs of other people, you need to have that same kind of mindset as you live your life. The cross is not just a substitute for you. It is an example of how you need to live. And are we living in light of the cross? Are we living with that same attitude of not my will, but yours be done? Take a good look at your life. Look inside. After you've looked back and you've looked inside, you then start looking around. This is where the abuse of the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, you guys get together and you're not even considering how you're treating each other. It's not the Lord's Supper anymore. Listen, you can take these elements and it not be the Lord's Supper. You can go through this time and you not take the Lord's Supper. It's possible if you don't give consideration to each other. I'm looking out on Harold Ferguson over here and the reason that he's my brother and and I'm his brother is because of the blood of Jesus and because I'm thinking about him during the Lord's Supper time you cannot you cannot reflect on the body on the cross without also reflecting on the body that's gathered here to remember it and if we are in somehow in consider in consideration or disrespect to anyone this memorial becomes defunct for you We think about each other, and I think about Kay French, and that she's my sister, and I'm her brother because of this. So I'm going to look around. It's okay to look around and realize that what connects us all is not age, is not same common anything, except one thing, is that all of us depend upon this sacrifice for our salvation, and we're in a common family because of it. Then we are to look forward. This meal is something that we do to keep our faith strong until we get to take this meal with every beneficiary who ever lived. In heaven, we are going to take this supper together. Jesus is going to be in front of us. He is today, but in a very different sense. We're all going to be together in a very real sense, unlike now. A little different. But you know, we're going to take this every Lord's day until the Lord comes back and then we're going to take it together in heaven. And we're looking forward to that. That's something that we can anticipate. We're passing it forward into the future. We're also looking out on the lost world, longing for them to know this message. You know, Jesus died for your sins. But John says Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. It's just that they don't know it and they haven't. They, they haven't taken a claim for it themselves. And we long, as we gather here, we're proclaiming to the world his death as we gather in this place and as we do this. And we long for them to know our story. We long to be able to interact with them in a way, and people who are in the world in a way that would draw them to this sacrifice so that they too can receive the benefits of it. And there's one more thing. We're looking up to God. Jesus, when he took the bread... Jesus, when he took the cup, he gave thanks for it. Eucharist. That's what the most common name of the Lord's Supper is. Eucharist. Thanksgiving. The week of Thanksgiving, we're looking up to God, we're thanking him. What was Jesus thanking God for? 
In that meal, it was for the food itself. Just like before a meal that we eat, we thank God for the food that he provided. We know that without God, that food's not there. But you know what else we know as we take this Lord's Supper? If it weren't for God providing his son, there would be nothing that saves us. There would be nothing that would deliver us from our dire situation. So we're thanking God for sending his own son, knowing full well he sent him to die. There's much we need to be doing. The slides are going to direct us. I ask you to fully engage mind and spirit. I ask you to fully be aware of what you're singing and what you're hearing. No extraneous words. Let the slides lead us. But we're going to go through this time of remembrance together as we as a family take the Lord's Supper.